0: Welcome to the Red Cloud Research Roundup, hosted by Red Cloud Financial Services. It's July 25th. Joining us from the Red Cloud Securities Research Team, we have mining analyst Kobe Kushner, managing director and head of equity research David Talbot, and mining analyst Taylor Conbeluzzi joining us. They're digging into what's happened in their coverage universes, as well as recapping some mine visits and some notable news that's happened along the way. Kobe, what's top of mind for you? Hi everyone, happy to kick off episode 13 with a discussion on lithium. Specifically, I'll be touching on lithium in Alberta. Within the province's oil fields, underlies saline formation water, generally around 2 to 3 kilometers deep. The saline water, located immediately below the oil, is rich in lithium, and while this lithium enrichment has been known for decades, it is yet to be commercially extracted. The reason is twofold. Traditional brines, like what we see in South America, typically use evaporation methods, and evaporation requires one, the right weather, that is, a hot and arid climate, and two, the grade. Typically, only higher grades will work here. Economic cutoffs for evaporation tend to be around 300 mg per liter. If we go lower than that, then we're waiting much longer for the sun to do its work, to evaporate the water and leave behind a high enough grade lithium concentrate, in a process that already takes months to complete. So evaporation just won't work as well in Alberta. It's certainly not a desert, and grades are typically low, usually below 100 mg per liter. This is where a new technology, direct lithium extraction or DLE, comes into play. This is a process that takes minutes to hours as opposed to months. It could allow for much lower grade material. Cutoff grades are typically in the 20 to 50 milligram per liter range. Although grade really is secondary when it comes to these Western Canadian petrobrines, what matters more, in our view, is well deliverability. That is, the three Ps pressure, permeability, and porosity. And that's what will dictate flow rates, which is a key input to determining productivity. DLE is also a much more ESG-friendly approach compared to evaporation, and we suspect the Alberta government is keen to diversify its natural resource industry, having passed a bill that places lithium development under the same regulatory body that oversees its successful oil and gas sector. And last week, we saw Alberta Premier Jason Kenney share an article on social media about E3 Lithium that's ETL on the venture, we have a buy rating $8.20 target. To quote the Premier, lithium has big potential to add to Alberta's mineral sector and create jobs. In our view, this is an intimate level of support for Alberta's lithium sector. E3 recently announced that they've completed the first ever lithium well in the province. Sampling and reservoir characterization testing is now proceeding, with preparations underway for a second well. We touched on E3 in last week's episode, but the takeaways are that E3 has 24.3 million tons of LCE in the Alberta brines, the largest 43101 compliant lithium resource ever published to our knowledge. They have a PEA on the clear water portion of its land package with compelling economics attached, and they've actually developed their DLE technology in-house that the company plans to use to tap into its resources with production of 20,000 tons a year of lithium hydroxide monohydrate in 2025 to 26. Now E3 is not alone in developing lithium resources in Alberta. We've also had our eyes on Helios X Lithium and Technologies. That's HX on the venture. This is a not rated stock, Helios X has over 300,000 acres of brine rights in the Fox Creek area of Alberta. There's four individual property areas that are proximal to several known lithium brine occurrences. The company recently put out a technical report for the Fox Creek area, which essentially provides a third-party view that the project is indeed prospective for lithium and that follow-up is well warranted. The company is currently prepping for a drill program sometime early next year, now, Helios X is taking a different approach. Rather than develop its own DLE solution to tap into Alberta's brines, the company partnered with Litus Energy. Litus developed a nanocomposite DLE material at the University of Calgary. This material reportedly has a high absorption rate and is optimally designed for lower-grade brines. Helios X also holds interest in lithium brine projects in Argentina and Nevada. The company is taking a bespoke approach to DLE. Management is savvy on the technical side, and their view is that there's no one-size-fits-all solution to DLE. Each brine is different, and therefore each solution should be different, which is why the company has partnered with different DLE providers for each of their projects. Now, I've spoken enough about Alberta, and I've spoken enough about DLE. Dave, I believe you wanted to talk about what's happening one province over.
1: Thank you, Kobe. I'm David Talbot, Managing Director and Head of Research at Red Cloud Securities. I'd like to jump over to the Athabasca Basin in Saskatchewan now. Now, there were a couple of exciting uranium updates that I would like to discuss with you. Let's start with last week's initial resource from ISO Energy, not rated – This was the first resource provided for the hurricane deposit at ISO's 100% owned LARAC East project in the Athabasca Basin. They outlined 51.3 million pounds indicated and inferred, grading at 32.8%. Now this was in line with our expectations for a 50 to 60 million pound size-wise. But what's important here is the average grades were much higher than anticipated. In fact, this has now become the world's highest grade uranium deposit. It exceeds other large well-known deposits, including Phoenix at 19%, Cigar Lake at 15%, MacArthur at 7%, and Arrow at 3% for its M&I resource. Now, we believe this will open some eyes in the investment community, if not the uranium industry itself. Depth is modest. It's down to about 325 meters to the unconformity, so it's not guaranteed this would be an open pit. But it's shallow enough to ramp down into, and new mining technologies such as ISR and Sabre are being considered elsewhere in the basin. But we're getting ahead of ourselves on the development front. What we believe the next step is growing this unconformity deposit, specifically the 44 million pounds of of the high-grade zone. There seems to be room to widen the zone to the north, to the south, and there might be potential to extend eastward as well. Plus, there's discovery potential along trend. This type of deposit often occurs clustered within the Athabasca Basin. A couple things to note. The resource sits up against the property boundary to Cameco and Arano's Don Lake JV so the heart of the deposit remains wide open to the west and will most definitely catch the attention of two of the largest uranium producers in the world secondly NextGen energy owns just over 50 percent of iso energy so iso is well supported and protected from external opportunistic equity takeovers this should give iso energy further time to expand this deposit a high-grade initial resource upside potential, within a Tier 1 jurisdiction, surrounded by well-developed infrastructure. We were impressed by this initial resource estimate at Hurricane, highest uranium deposit in the world. The second company I wanted to highlight here is CanAlaska Uranium and its new uranium discovery. We recommend the stock with a speculative buy and no target. CanAlaska is an investment banking client of Red Cloud Securities, and shares are held by the firm. Now, Can Alaska has discovered a wide zone of strong basement-hosted uranium at its West MacArthur JV, with Cameco in the eastern Athabasca. This represents the second West MacArthur property discovery. It occurs on the c 10 south conductor along a newly defined exploration trend just six kilometers south of the 42-zone discovery. It also lies along trend of Cameco's 68 million pound and 8% grade Fox Lake deposit and west of the MacArthur River mine. Now, scintillometer results and photos of core suggest the presence of a large mineralizing system. Mineralization does include semi-massive pitchblende and secondary uranium minerals and the same classic veining and worm rock, worm rock textures that are found at Eagle Point Mine and Millennium. Mineralization occurs within a 6.3-meter-wide shear zone in basement rocks about 100 meters below the unconformity. Now, we are still awaiting assays, but scintillometer results averaged about 5,000 counts per second over 3.5 meters. We believe this discovery, pending assays, could represent another major deposit in the Athabasca Basin. We base this on the strength of mineralization, alteration, and structure we can see in the core, and the extent of electromagnetic anomalies in the area. We typically reserve the word discovery for when we see confirmation from assays, but the obvious uranium mineralization here helps satisfy us. Can Alaska's management and technical team is certainly very excited about this. They cut their teeth at Cameco. They are intimately familiar with these types of high-grade, basement-hosted uranium deposits and how to explore and exploit them. Now, this discovery does still need to be put into context. Is it a high-grade basement deposit like Arrow or Millennium? Or is it the root of an unconformity deposit like MacArthur River? While depths to the zone are considerable, basement rocks do tend to be competent, and you wouldn't expect the high capital costs or operating costs typical of unconformity deposits. This discovery was made on hole two of CAN Alaska's summer drill program. We expect focus to now pivot to this discovery, and next step would be to test this first intersection, up dip, towards the sandstone or basement contact, hoping for a blowout at the unconformity. This discovery was made on hole two of can Alaska's summer drill program, and now we expect the, the exploration program to pivot towards the discovery. Next step would be to test this intersection up-dip towards the sandstone basement contact, hoping for a blowout of uranium at the unconformity. Future drilling will likely be computer-aided directional drilling, and so as you can tell, we too are pretty excited about this new high-grade uranium discovery. So speaking of new, Taylor has some new
2: coverage he'd like to introduce to our audience. So Taylor, why don't you take it away? Thanks, Dave. This week, I'll be speaking about Prospector Metals. We currently have a buy speculative rating and no target price. The company is a Red Cloud banking client. Last week, we initiated coverage and believe that Prospector is a unique junior exploration company that is led by a proven team that has a depth of technical expertise to quickly and efficiently explore a project to make a potential discovery. It holds multiple early-stage projects in Tier 1 Canadian jurisdictions and is employing a focused exploration strategy to potentially make Canada's next district-scale discovery. We like the company for several reasons. The first is that it has a discovery-focused strategy. What sets the company apart from other explorers or project generators is that it aims to rapidly make a discovery with a modest initial exploration budget. This allows it to quickly evaluate the geological potential of a given project. This way, it could opt to divert resources from less prospective projects to more promising ones or monetize non-core assets. This should result in efficient capital allocation and a higher probability of making a discovery. The second reason we like Prospector is that it has lots of exploration activity going on in 2022. The company commenced drilling at its Too Good Gold project in Newfoundland in May of this year, and also plans to drill its Witten Lake Nickel Copper PGE and Savant Lake gold projects in Ontario. A $1 million exploration program is also planned at its Shefferville project in Quebec to define drill targets. With numerous exploration activities underway, we expect steady news flow through 2022 and believe the company is well positioned for exploration success. On that same note, we are expecting results from Too Good soon. The Too Good property covers multiple gold occurrences and targets along about 26 kilometers of strike length in the Exploits subzone area, which hosts Marathon Gold's Valentine project. Past grab sampling has returned up to 7,877 grams per ton of gold. Results from the up to 2,600 meters of diamond drilling are expected in Q3. And lastly, Prospector is a discovery group company and is led by a strong team. Prospector is one of the eight publicly traded members of the Discovery Group, which has successfully explored various district-scale deposits throughout Canada. Past successes include Great Bear Resources and Kamenak Gold. Dr. Rob Carpenter and Mr. Craig Roberts are co-chairmen of the board, and the management team is led by Alex Heath. We are looking forward to following this story and eagerly await exploration results over the second half of this year.
0: Thanks for listening to the Red Cloud Research Roundup. We hope you enjoyed the dive into recent notable mining news. Remember, you can join us every Monday for new episodes. And as always, you can head over to redcloudsecurities.com for full disclosures and to sign up to our email list. That's it for this episode and see you next time.